So 1 John chapter 4, verse 17, and then also we're going to turn to Acts chapter 20, verse 35. But 1 John 4, 17 says this, Herein is our love made perfect. Herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love. Right? There is no fear in love, but perfect love or complete love casteth out fear. Because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love, or love has not completed its work in you. See, we love him because he first loved us. If a man say, I love God and hateth his brother, he is a liar, for he that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen, how can he love God in whom he hath not seen? And this commandment have we from him, that he who loveth God loveth his brother also. Acts chapter 20, verse 35 says, I have showed you all things, this is Paul talking, how that so laboring you ought to support the weak and to remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he said it is more blessed to give than to receive. And when he had thus spoken, he kneeled down and prayed with them all. And they all wept sore and fell on Paul's neck and kissed him, sorrowing most of all for the words which he spake, that they should see his face no more. And they accompanied him unto the ship. Amen. I want to preach to you today a message I've entitled Incomplete Love. If you could put down your Bibles and go with me to prayer. May the Lord speak to our hearts today. Lord Jesus, I thank you, God, for your presence. I thank you for the moving of your spirit that we already feel here today, God. Lord, I just pray and I just ask now, God, Lord God, that you'd speak to us through your word, God. Lord, use me, God, as a vessel, God. Lord, speak through me, God, I pray, God, with boldness, with conviction, Lord, and with anointing, God. Lord, and anoint the hearts of the listeners, God. Lord, bless your sheep. Feed your sheep today, God. We pray it in the precious name of Jesus, in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. You may be seated. Talking about fear this morning. Again. No. Fear. Fear is an unpleasant emotion, right, caused by belief that someone or something is dangerous, likely to cause pain or is a threat. Have you ever been afraid? Have you ever feared something? It's kind of funny, there's a bunch of, you know, if you look on the internet, there's, you can look up phobias. It's kind of very interesting. <laughs> it's very interesting what people are afraid of. One of the biggest fears is actually public speaking. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, you? <laughs> but fear. As I was studying this message, um, I realized something in my childhood. I had a lot of fear. I had a lot of fear in my childhood. And uh, I, had a, I had an issue. I had an issue with being afraid a lot. I was a scared kid. We'll just say that. I was a scared kid. I'm an adult now, so just remember that. I'm an adult now, but I was a scared kid. I was a scared kid. So, uh, you know, one of these stories, right? Um, my dad was bringing me to the mall, to Middle Hero Mall in Duluth. And uh, 
what was there is I wanted to see them. I wa thought I did, at least, were these big uh, mechanical dinosaurs, right? You ever seen those big mechanical dinosaurs, and they move, and they roar, and, and they do all these things, right? So as a kid, I was, I don't know, three or four, maybe two or three, and uh, just keep it, it keeps getting lower. Um, but I had a, you know, so my, my dad bought tickets, right? And so he brought me to the mall. And they had this exhibit, and you had to go in the store. It was in a store, and you had to go in there, and you could see these big mechanical dinosaurs. Well, when I got to the opening of that store, I looked in, and I saw this big Tyrannosaurus Rex. And it started to move its head like this. And I said, uh-uh, I ain't going in there. And so my dad ended up wasting his money because I would not go in and see those dinosaurs. I was scared to death. I was scared to death. Another little story here is uh, my grandmother, I was probably about six or seven at this time, right? And uh, my grandmother was, we were, she lived downtown Duluth, and we were walking the canal, right? Now, if you know this about Duluth is there is a big ship called the William A. Irving, right? And it's, it's kind of it's docked there, and well, it was Halloween time. It was the season of Halloween, and, and it was not in church then, so. Um, and so they had something called the haunted ship. The haunted ship. You know, I was like, Grandma, please, please let me go on the haunted ship, please. And she said, Trevor, you know, I know you. I know your issues. And you're not going into that haunted ship. I'm not allowing you. We're not doing that because you're going to get scared, and then we're going to have to run out of there. And we're not doing that, Trevor. And I said, Grandma, but please, please let me go. Please let me go on that haunted ship. And my, my grandma said, okay, we'll go on the haunted ship. So on this haunted ship, is that I think they gave you a bucket. I knew I just had a bucket, right? And so I had this bucket to put candy in or whatever. No trick-or-treat or whatever. And uh, it was literally like the first time one of those zombie creatures or whatever come out and scare you, right? They just pop out of nowhere. And I started freaking out, <laughs> screaming like a little girl, right? Just, ah! You know. And I was in terror, and I was terrified. Absolutely terrified, right? And uh, matter of fact, I was so terrified that my grandma took the bucket that I was carrying and she put it over my head <laughs> so that I wouldn't look out and scream and get... And she was leading me. Because here's the thing with those, with those haunted ships is you can't go back. Is you got to keep going because other people are you know, coming behind you. So you have to go through the whole thing. So she put that bucket on my head <laughs> and was leading me out of that haunted ship. Out of that haunted ship. It got so bad that one of the ladies had mercy on me. One of the ladies that was going out in costume and scaring people, she actually took me aside and put up her mask and said, it's all fake. It's all fake. It's all fake. That's how scared I was. That's how scared I was. So I had an issue with fear. I had an issue with fear. Had. Had. But here's the thing. Fear can be a good thing. 
Fear can be a good thing. Having a healthy fear of heights is a good thing. Right? I mean, probably just don't want to jump off a cliff or something, you know. I'm not scared. You know, that wouldn't work out too well. I was, uh, matter of fact, <laughs> this just reminded me, I was on the scaffolding yesterday with Andrew Dot, and he got a kick out of me. I said I was over fear, I guess. <laughs> just reminded me. And I was kind of, you know, clutching that scaffolding and trying to get on it. But having a healthy fear of, of heights is a good thing, you know. Uh, some fear is good. Some fear is good. Why? Because fear can make you careful, right? Fear can make you careful. Probably want, want to be careful if you're up high. Matter of fact, the Bible says about fear in Proverbs 9.10, it says this, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the holy is understanding. Meaning, if you want to become wise, think about it, church. The, the, the beginning of wisdom, or the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Meaning, if you want to become wise, if you want to make right decisions in your walk with God, is you've got to have a little fear in your life. Okay, church, you've got to have a little fear. You've got to have an understanding of the holy. You've got to have a little reverence to the things of God. You've got to have a little reverence to the things that are holy. Why? Because you want to be wise. You want to make right decisions. And fear will cause you to be careful. Fear will cause you to be careful. So when that person puts that bottle in front of you, what do you say? No. No. Why? Because that's going to send me to hell. When that person puts that joint in front of you, what do you say? No, no, I, I'm, not, I'm not into that. Why? Because that's going to send my soul to hell. You've got to understand, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So if you want to grow in your relationship with God, is you've got to have a healthy dose of fear in your life. Right? You've got to have a healthy dose of fear. Matter of fact, Proverbs 8.13 says this, the fear of the Lord is to hate evil, to hate evil, pride and arrogancy in the evil way, and the forward mouth do I hate, is you got to learn, oh, you got to learn to hate evil, to hate evil, to hate what God hates, and to love what God loves, if, you, if that is the basics of this walk with God, is you've got to learn to hate what God hates, and then learn to love what he loves. And that's where growth comes from. That's where maturity comes from. Jesus said it like this, Matthew 10, 28. He said this, and fear not them which kill the body. Don't fear those that are able to beat you up, right? But, fear those, but, but are not able to kill the soul. But rather fear him which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Right? So fear is a good thing. Fear is a good thing when you have it in the right perspective, right? Fear is a good thing when you're fearing the things of God. When you fear God, it's a good thing. But the problem with fear in our world today is the problem is the fear of the Lord is not the fear that is running rampant in our world today, right? We don't have a lot of people saying, I'm, I fear the Lord. Matter of fact, there's kind of a movement against that. It's kind of weird. Christianity says you don't need to fear God. No, you need to fear God. You better fear God. 
But here's the thing, as our world gets farther and farther away from God and the things of God, problems will still come, right? Issues will still arise, and fear will still arise in people's hearts. But the problem today is the world does not know how to cope with fear and anxiety. Why? Because they don't have a God in their life. They don't have a God in their life. That's why the Bible says that men's hearts will fail for fear. Because can I tell you, church, that a world without God, your world without God, is, very, is a very scary place. Is a very scary place. Matter of fact, I don't know how people do it. I don't know how people live their life without God in their life. Could you imagine having no hope? Could you imagine not having anybody to turn to, anybody to run to with your problems and your situations and your fear? But that's how the world is living. That's why they say, I researched it, it says one in six Americans are using psychiatric drugs depressants, and anti-anxiety pills. Matter of fact, it said during coronavirus, it said 34%, there was a 34% increase in prescriptions during that time. Why? Because people do not know how to cope with fear and anxiety. Why? Because a world without God is a very scary place. You don't know where to run to. You don't know where to hide under. It's scary. I've heard it said before, well, you just use God as a crutch. You've heard that? Oh, he was just your crutch. Oh, you were down and out. and oh, you, you had to have God as your crutch. You know what I tell him? I tell him, yeah, I do. I need him as my crutch. I need him as my help. I need him. I need him, church. Where would I be without God? Where would you be without God? Come on, where would you be without God? Where would you run to? Where would Right? Yes, he's my crutch. And even more than that, he's my God. He's my Savior. He's my Messiah. He's my everything. He's my everything. <clears throat> See, people are bound by the what ifs. Right? What if this happens? What if that happens? What if, what if this happens to my kids? What if, what if I get corona? What if my kid, what, what happens when we send them to school? What happens? What if, what if, what if, what if, what if can drive you crazy? If you live like that, it can drive you crazy, can drive you up a wall. What if? Another reason when I was researching this, another or studying this out, another reason for fear is, is awareness, they say. Because here's the thing, is we're living in a day where we are more aware of what is going on than any other day, right? You can pick up your phone right now and you can get news from Georgia. You can get news from California. You can get news from Nebraska. You can get news halfway across the world in an instant. We are more aware than we ever have been. And so what does that do to us? It, a lot of times it causes people to fear. So, for instance, this article used this example. It said, child abduction, right? The worst thing ever, right? Child abductions. It said, you can hear about an abduction in Florida, but that does not mean that it's more likely to happen where you're at. But because we hear about it happening in Florida, all of a sudden we start the what ifs. Well, what if that happens to me? Why? Because we become more aware of it. We become more aware of what is going on in the world, right? Right? 
Same thing with coronavirus. We found out that a media, if, if, they, fuel, if they fuel the media with fear, as we found out what can happen, right? Because here's the thing. There's a, I mean, there's a very high chance of survival if you get corona. Amen. Aren't you thankful for that? High chance of survival. The survival rate is very high. But what happens is they put, they, they tell you of all the people that died. Notice, they, CNN don't tell you how many people survived. They don't tell you the stories like that, right? So-and-so recovered. So No. They want to tell you everything that, that's bad, that's, you know, that, that's bad that happened with corona. And what does this do to us? It makes us more aware of certain situations, and it causes us to fear. And it causes us to have anxiety, right? The University of Minnesota studied the effects of living in prolonged fear and found that it can lead to an accelerated aging and even a premature death. It can affect your heart and it can affect your brain. Fear can impair formation of long-term memories and can cause damage to certain parts of the brain. Living in fear can cause damage to your heart and cause damage to your brain. It can cause damage to parts of the brain which can make it even more difficult to regulate fear and can leave a person anxious most of the time. Living in prolonged fear is not a good place to live. You see, fear is a very powerful tool of the enemy. The enemy, our enemy, uses fear. He uses fear. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8. It says, be sober. <clears throat> Amen. Right. Be sober. Be vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil, as a what? As a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. As a roaring lion. Lions will use their roar as a show of power. Among other male lions, a lion will roar to try to intimidate its prey to make for an easier prey. <laughs> There's another story here. All day. Amen. He said it. I need one more. I'm off of two or three witnesses. No. <laughs> a young, as a young kid again, right? As a young kid. Probably about four or five, you know. My dad and, and my grandma brought me to the zoo to see all the animals, right? Good time with the fam, you know. And so here's the thing is, is to get to the big cats is you had to walk down these stairs. Had to walk down these stairs. And about halfway through the stairs, I heard, Roar! You know what I did? I stopped in my tracks and said, no way. Nope, Dad, I'm not going to go find out what that, what that noise just was. No way. I had an issue with fear. But here's the thing. That's what the devil does. The devil will try to stop you in your tracks. Will try to, try to stop your walk with God. Why? By fear and intimidation. By fear and intimidation. He'll tell you, they're all going to reject you. They're going, your family members are going to abandon you. You'll be persecuted, right? He tries to put fear in your life. He tries to tell you about all your problems. 
You're never going to make it. You're, gonna, you're never going to see your way out of this. Right? What is he doing? He's roaring at you. He's intimidating you. He's putting fear in your life. Putting fear in your life. You won't survive this. You see, the devil will highlight every potential problem in your life. Why? Because he knows if he can bound you by fear, if he can have you bound by fear, he'll try to eliminate the faith and trust in God that you have in your life. If he can get you focused on a potential danger and potential circumstances, he will try to get you in a place where you're no longer trusting in God. But here's the thing. The devil is a liar. Amen. The devil is a liar. When, as a matter of fact, whenever he is opening his mouth, he is lying. Right? So whenever he roars at you, just understand this, that he's lying to you. He's lying to you. Yes, you can make it. Yes, you can make your way out of this. No, you don't have to worry. You still have a God that is on your side. Amen, church? If you're a child of God, you don't have to worry about the devil. You don't have to worry about the lion that is roaring at you because there's a greater one than he that is in this place. Matter of fact, when my mother was coming into church, she told me about the dream when she first, had, when she first came into church. And I told the story about her coming in pr- plenty of times in this church, but to sum it up, Year, uh, for a couple years, she went from church to church to church trying to find truth, trying to find truth. Didn't know very much about God, but was studying her word and was going from church to church trying to find out what church preached this word. And that's important, right? When you're looking for a church, find a church that preaches the word of God. Find the church that does not compromise the word of God. Why? Because the Bible says truth shall set you free, right? Truth. Hallelujah. But as she was looking for a church, she, find, she found one, right? She found the church that preached truth. And God saved her life, and she repented of her sins. She was baptized in Jesus' name, like the Bible tells us. And she was filled with the wonderful gift of the Holy Ghost, with the evidence of speaking in tongues, right? So my mom was saved. But because my mom was saved, she had an enemy now. And she went to bed one night. And had a dream. And in that dream, she had a dream of a, of a giant bat. A giant bat, which she recognized as a demon. And that demon put its claws around, its, around her neck and said, If you tell anybody, I will kill you. I will kill you. Let me tell you something. The enemy uses fear. Be careful. Be careful. Yes, I, I'm saying we need to have a fear of God. But here's the thing, you don't need to, if you're living for God, if you're a child of the king, you don't need to worry about any devil, any demon in hell. Why? Because you have a God that is on your side. And my Bible says, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Matter of fact, the only power that the devil has over you is the power that you give him or you allow it. You start listening to his lies. He will intimidate you. You start listening to him. You start believing them. He will intimidate you. Don't allow it. You know what you need to do? Do what Jesus says. It is written. It is written, devil. Man shall not live by bread alone. It is written, devil. You know how you combat the devil? You combat him with the word of God. With the word of God. Because he's a father of the lies. But our God is is the father of truth. Amen? 
He is the light. He is the way, the truth, and the life. Hallelujah. Amen. Revelations 21.7 says this, though. He that overcometh shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. But notice what the next verse starts with. It says this in verse 8. It says, but the, but the fearful and unbelieving and the abominable and the murderers and the whoremongers and the sorcerers and the idolaters and the liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. When I went to Bible school at ABI, they used this verse and they would ask the students, they would say this, who leads the parade in the lake of fire? And of course we would answer, it's, it's the fearful. It's the fearful. Those because of fear of rejection, fear from their, fr- rejection of the, from their friends, from their family, would not place their life in God's hands, right? Those for fear of persecution did not trust in God. It was the fearful. Why? Because this thing is meant for the overcomers. Revelation, the, the, the first verse that we read in that, Revelation 21.7, says, He that, what? He that overcometh. What am I trying to tell you? As I'm, I'm going to tell you this. If you want to make heaven your home, You've got to learn to overcome some things. You've got to learn to overcome some anxiety. You've got to learn to overcome some fear. You've got to learn to overcome some persecutions, some tribulations, some trials. Why? Because God says, he that overcometh shall inherit all things, and I will be his God. He shall be my son. Amen. See, if you want to make heaven your home, You'll have to overcome fear. Fear is a powerful tool. But if you want to make heaven your home, is you've got to learn to overcome it. You've got to learn to overcome it. And hopefully I can help you with that today. Viktor Frankl is a well-known writer, Jewish psychiatrist, and Nazi concentration camp survivor. He wrote about the horrors he survived in his best-selling book, Man's Search for Meaning. In this book, he details what he had to endure and all and his observations as why some men gave up and died and why others and himself held on to survive. So through the beatings, think about it, through the beatings, the extreme cold, the work, the starvation, you looked at, if you ever saw pictures of survivors of the concentration camp, they were like skeletons, skeletons. Through the starvation, the suffering, and living, think about it, living in constant fear. Why? Because people all around you were dying. People, the stench of death was preeminent in a concentration camp. Not knowing, is it my day to go to the gas chambers? Is it my day to die? Viktor Frankl said, by thinking on the memory of his beloved wife, he was able to transcend the horrors that surrounded him in that camp. Victor came to the conclusion on on how he was able to survive. He said, love is the ultimate and highest goal to which one can aspire. The salvation of man is through love and in love. 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 1 John 4, 16 says this, And we have known and believed the love that God hath to us. God is love. 
Amen. How many believe that this morning? That God is love. He is love. And he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God and God in him. Herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love. Did you hear that? There is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear, because fear hath torment, and he that feareth is not made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. Here's the thing about fear. Fear can be debilitating. It can be paralyzing. Fear can knock you back and knock you down. But can I tell you something, church? Fear is powerful. But can I tell you something? That love is more powerful than fear. Love is more powerful than fear. Why? Because God is love. Because God is love. And God is greater than anything that you could fear. God is greater than any fear that you're facing right now. Love is greater than fear. 1 John 4.18 There is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear. Because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. Meaning love's perfect work or complete work has not been worked out yet in your life. See, perfect and and complete love combats fear. Now, my title was a little, (laughs) it was kind of dumb when I said it the first time. I don't know if I should say it again. Um, My my title was a little wordplay, you know. It's what combats fear. Complete love combats fear. So my, my title was incomplete love. But here's the thing is if you're battling fear, It may be that you have incomplete love. You see? See, when you're in complete love, when when love has its perfect work in your life, is it combats the fear that's holding you down. But if you're fearing, it could be that the love that you have is incomplete. That love has not had its perfect work in your life or complete work in your life. So how do we do that? See, if you're going to combat fear in your life, you need complete love. I'm going to give you three things today concerning complete or perfect love. Number one is this. Of course, this has to always be number one is God is love. God is love. God is love. And I said it. I'm going to say it again in this service. God loves you. God loves you. God loves you. Maybe you don't understand, but God loves you. God loves you. Think about it. The creator of heaven and earth. Right? The one who spoke the worlds into existence. The one who shaped and molded man out of the dust of the ground. That God loves you. That God loves you. God loves you. And of course, he gave us the greatest example of that love. He gave us the greatest example of that love. 1 John 4, 9 says this, In this was manifested the love of God toward us, because that God sent his only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through him. Herein is love. This is how we know love. 
Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and set his son to be the propitiation for our sins. What is he saying? Saying it wasn't because you loved God that God loves you. No, God is love. And God loved you. And how did he prove it? He proved it on the cross of Calvary. When he hung between those two sinners. He proved it when he was tormented. When he was beaten. When he was bruised for our iniquities. That's how he proved his love. Here's the thing. I I know we say it a lot. God loves you. Jesus died for your sins. But we can't ever just get, that can't just ever become cliche. You know, we hear that, yeah, yeah. But here's the thing. If Jesus Christ was not on that cross, I would have been on that cross. Do you understand that? The God of heaven and earth robed himself in flesh, church. Robed himself in, in flesh because he loved you so much, was tormented, was beaten and bruised, and hung between two sinners. He that knew no sin became sin for me. He that was holy took on sin for can't just become cliche. We've got to understand something here. Because of my sin. Because of my sin and because of his love. He gave himself. You see, sin had a penalty and that penalty was death. But because God loved us so much that he paid that penalty. Let me tell you something. God is love. And if you ever start questioning that, just look back at an old rugged cross. God is love. And if the devil ever lies to you again, just think about those bruised, that bruised back and that whip torn, torn back. Just think about the blood that flowed. God loves you. He loves you. He loves you. Matter of fact, Romans 5, 8 says this, but God commended his love towards us. What does that mean? God commendeth his love towards us. Meaning this, God put his love on full display. He wanted to make sure you understood something. I love you in that while we were yet sinners, while we were yet dead in our sins, Christ died for us. That's how much he loves you. That's how much he loves you. May the cross be in in ever display in our hearts and our minds that we would understand the love of God. The love of God. Let me tell you something. If God loves us that much, if he loves us that much, that his love drove him to a cross for our sins, if he loves us that much, is you can trust him with the other things. You can trust him with the other things. One of my favorite verses concerning the trust of God is Matthew chapter 7 through, Matthew chapter 7, verse 7 through 10. It says this, and ask and it shall be given you. Seek and ye shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh receiveth. And he that seeketh findeth. And to him that knocketh it shall be opened. Or what man is there of you whom if his son asks bread, will he give him a stone? Or if he ask a fish, will he give him a serpent? If ye then being evil know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your father which is in heaven give good things to them that ask him? Wow. So what is he saying? Let's break that down. How many people are are parents in this place? Parents. Amen. You love your kids? Amen. Yes, me too. Most of the time. Italian's right there. 
Love you. <laughs> Again. Um, but here's the thing is we like to bless our kids, right? We like to bless our kids. We like to shower our kids with gifts and blessings, right? We love our kids. Well, God says this, right? Jesus Christ says this. He says, if you who are evil or you who are fleshly, if you know how to give good things to your kids, he said, how much more does your heavenly father want to give good gifts to his children? How much more does God want to bless his kids? How much more does he want to bless his sons and daughters with good things? Right? Amen? You believe that? You believe God wants to bless you? Here's the thing about that verse, though. I think God gave me a little insight to that. Is a lot of times we put the onus on the bread, right? We put the onus on if any man asks bread, will his father, you know, give him a son? I don't think that's where the, where the onus is. I think the onus is on what God is giving, right? What am I saying? I'm saying this. Just because you ask something from God does not mean you're going to get it. Every time you ask for bread does not mean God's going to give you bread. But you need to trust him enough. You need to understand his love enough that what he's giving you is not a stone and it's not a serpent. But it's what's best for you. you got to understand something. You're going to go through storms in life. You're going to go through problems and you're living right. I'm not talking about living in sin and then the world crashing down. That's your own fault, right? <laughs> Just saying. A lot of times we, th we think, God, you know, what are you doing? And then God is like, dude, what are you doing? Right? But here's the thing. I'm, if you're living right, if you're living right, right, you got to trust in God. That he is not, that what he's giving you, right? You're going to go through storms. You're going to go through trials, right? And you may be living right, and you're thinking, God, what is going on? I'm living right. I'm doing all the right things. But you need to have enough trust in God and understand God's love enough that he loves you. You're his kid. But what he's giving you is not a serpent. It's not a stone. What he's giving you is for your benefit. It's for your good. You may not see it now. You may not understand it now. But trust, God. God is not giving you a serpent. Amen. I'm talking about the love of God. One of the reasons people fear is lack of control. Right? Any control freaks in the place. <laughs> right? You get out of control. You don't have control, so you start to fear. Anxiety starts to well up in you. Can I tell you something? If you're a child of God, God is in control. Okay, God is in control. God's got this. God has you in his hand, okay? He has it. Matter of fact, Romans 8.28 says this, and we know. Oh, come on. Let me preach. <laughs> Amen, that's good. He knows his word. That's good. And we know that all things work together for good. To them that what? That love God. To them who are called according to his purpose. Amen. All things work together, right, for good, for good. So that's what we need to trust in. God's got it. God's got it. 
We need to understand that God loves us. And if he loves us, he would not allow anything in our lives that was not good for us or is not for our benefit. We may not be able to see it now or we may not understand why now. But God has it. God's got it. Right. God loves you. God loves you. So that's the first thing you need to know about love is God loves you. Second thing, number two, point two, first John four seventeen. Herein is is our love made perfect or complete that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. You know why you wouldn't have to fear the day of judgment? Is if you love him. If you love him. Yes, God loves you. But now it's pointed, pointing the finger at you. You've got to love him. Amen. Right? Um, how many young kids kind of were raised in the church here? Raised in the church. Right? So how many of you have a rapture story? A rapture story. Yeah, see, we got some here. They know what I'm talking about. Right? So I was probably seven or eight when I came into church. Um, but uh, I was over at my grandmother's house one day. I was over at my grandma's house. Grandma's not saved. And, uh, and my grandma was going to bed, right? My grandma was going to bed. And, uh, and so when grandma went to bed, she let me do whatever I wanted to do and let me watch whatever I wanted to watch. So long story short, I watched a bad movie, right? I watched a not a good movie. Not a good movie. And instantly I knew I was in the wrong. And I was scared. I was, and I should have been. Right? I should have been. I should have been scared. Um, but I'll never forget it. I turned it off. And I was trying to go to bed. Right? Trying to go to bed. And it started raining. And started raining. And, you know, the, and I swear to this day, it is the loudest thunder I've ever heard in my life. The loudest thunder I've ever, this way, you know, something like that. It was pretty, it was louder than that, but that was my best. But it just, and it's literally, it sounded like it was right over my head, right? Just bang, this thunder went out. And instantly I was like, that's it. I missed it. I'm, I'm going to hell. I missed the rapture. That's it. That's it. I'm, hey, I'm, long story short, I didn't miss the rapture. You didn't either. You didn't either. Well, that's the thing is I, I had a fear. I had a fear of torment. I had a fear of hell. And that, that, that's healthy. That is healthy. But when, but here's the thing is, is, is when you love God, right? Because sometimes that fear of hell will drive people to church, Right? will drive people to their knees. Well, Because that's what it did to me. Right when I heard that thunder, man, I hit my knees and started praying, saying, God, forgive me. I shouldn't have watched that. If, if, you, if you haven't come, well, well, thank God. But if you have come, please take me too. It was a mistake, right? But here's the thing, is if you love God, though, let's go to, let's go to the scripture. John 14, 15 says this. If you love me, what does he say? If you love me, what? Keep my commandments. This is Jesus Christ talking, right? He said, if you love me, you will what? You will keep my commandments. You see why that, that, that fear is cast out in love, in complete love? Why? Because I don't have to fear the torment anymore. 
Thank God I repented from that day. I no longer watch bad movies, okay? But here's the thing is I don't, I don't have to worry anymore. Why? Because I love him. And because I love him, I keep his commandments. Because I love him, I walk right. So I don't have to fear of missing the rapture anymore. I don't have to live in anxiety and fear. Some of you use, I mean, that's how some of you used to live, right? Used to look over your shoulder. Cop, oh, cop, you know. <laughs> oh, cop, don't look back. Act cool, man. Right? Act cool. That's what my dad used to <laughs> My dad, oh, man. You know, us kids, you hear cop, and you're like, oh, where? And my dad, I just remember, you know, driving with no license, all that other stuff. You know, he'd be like, just look straight. Just look straight, Trevor. Don't just reprimand us. <laughs> but here's the thing. That's no way to live. Especially living for God. You don't want to live that way. You don't want to fear the judgment. I've come to tell somebody, you don't have to. You don't have to fear hell. You don't have to fear those things. Why? Because you can live right. You can walk right. You can walk in truth. You can walk keeping His commandments. You can do it. And God will help you. God will help you. Amen. God will help you. First John 4.17, back to that verse, he says, Herein is our love made perfect, that we may have what? Boldness in the day of judgment. That doesn't sound like fear, right? Boldness in the day of judgment. Why? Why will you have boldness in the day of judgment? Because as he is, so are we in the world. Right? What is he saying? He's saying you're walking like Christ. You're living like Christ. Right? You can have boldness on the day of judgment. Why? Because down here, you're walking like Christ, right? You're a human billboard. You're the WWJD, right? You're, what would Jesus do? That's what you're living each and every day. So you can have boldness. You don't have to worry. You don't have to worry. 1 John 2, 3 says this. And hereby we do know that we know him if what? If we keep his commandments, and hereby we do know that we know him. A lot of people say they know God, right? A lot of people say, oh, yeah, Jesus, yeah, I accepted him. Yeah, Jesus. But they're living like the devil. What does the Bible say about that? He says, he that saith, I know him, and keepeth not his commandments is a what? Is a liar. Is a liar. It's the word of God. It's the word of God. And the truth is not in him. But then thank God for verse 5. But whoso keepeth his word, in him verily is the love of God perfected or completed. Hereby know, hereby know we that we are in him. If what? If we are keeping the word of God. So what does it mean to love God? It means this. It means to, to obey his commandments. Right? To keep his word. To listen to his word. <clears throat> so if you want love to have its complete work in your life, you've got to trust that God loves you. Right? You got to know that God is love. But then also, is you got to love God through your obedience. And lastly, my last point says 1 John 4 17, herein is the love made perfect or complete, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as He is, so are we in the world. You're going to memorize that by the time we're done with this message. It's about the fourth time I've read it. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear, because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. Verse 19 says this, we love him. Why? 
because he first loved us. And a lot of times we stop there. We love him because he first loved us. Complete love. Boom. Done. No. You got to go back. You got to go down to verse 20 and 21. If a man say, I love God and hateth his brother, he is a what? He is a liar. For he that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen, how can he love God in whom he hath not seen? And this commandment have we from him, that, ye, that he who loveth God love his brother also. So, yes. Amen. Right. So really, verse 19 should have an added, an added word, right? We love him because he first loved us, and we love them. Right? That's complete, perfect love. That's love working its way in your heart. That's love having its perfect work in your life. When, when you know that God loves you and you trust in God, right? And then you love God by obeying his commandments. And then you go out and you extend that love of God to others. Fear has a way of isolating its victims. Fear causes people to shelter in place. Fear takes hold in an action of self-preservance, right? People tend to hoard resources to themselves. They've got a name for it that's called preppers. You've heard of it? Go buy a bunch of rice, buy a bunch of toilet paper. We saw a little bit of that, didn't we? Right? Doomsdayers, right? That's why. I mean, that's why you had on coronavirus no toilet paper anywhere, which is a really weird thing to... I mean... Toilet paper? But fear has a way of changing you. When fear and anxiety will make you selfish. It'll make you selfish. When fear and anxiety cripples you, you become so self-absorbed with your own problems and circumstances. You will take on a negative perspective of life. You will become bitter. You will think, nobody cares about me, so why should I care about them? You see, fear has a way of changing you. It'll make you into a selfish, self-absorbed person, only isolated on your problems and your worries and your fears and your anxieties. So fear has a way of changing you. But can I tell you, so does love. So does love. <clears throat> You see, if you have problems, don't let fear cripple you. If you have anxieties, don't let anxiety cause you to become self-absorbed. But combat your circumstances. Combat your problems and fears by helping and loving someone through theirs. You've got to extend the love of God. It's not enough just to love God. It's not enough just to know that God loves you. Is then you have to extend that love. One of my favorite quotes is Dale Carnegie. He says this, inaction breeds doubt and fear. Action breeds confidence and courage. If you want to conquer fear, do not sit at home and think about it. He says, go out and get busy. Go out and get busy. Go out and get busy. What am I saying? I'm saying if you sit and you isolate in your fears and anxiety, you will only breed more fear and anxiety. So what do you got to do? If you're fearing about that unsaved loved one, Go bless another unsaved person, right? If you're worried about your unsaved kid and you have anxiety and fear and it's keeping you up at night, don't just stew in that. Start praying. Start loving somebody else's unsaved child, right? It's you got to learn to extend love out. It's not enough to just hoard it all to yourself. It's you got to learn to take the love of God and start extending it. 
what happens is a lot of times when people get, get brought down by their anxiety and fear is their world becomes smaller and smaller and smaller. So that now all they can see is their problems. All they can see is their own anxieties. All they can see is their own fears. What am I telling you? I'm telling you, you have to enlarge your world. You have to enlarge your horizon. And instead of being bound by your fears and anxieties and your problems, go find somebody else that has a problem and start blessing them and start loving them and start giving to them. Because here's the thing is you just may find out when you do that that your problems are really not that big. You see, there's a... Paul said this. Paul was facing death, right? Facing death. He was talking to the Ephesian elders in Acts chapter 20. He's facing death now, right? He knows. As a matter of fact, he says, this is probably going to be the last time I see you. It's going to be the last time you're going to look at my face. Why? Because I'm going bound to Jerusalem. He knows that he's probably about to, to face a martyr's death. What does he tell him? What are the last words that Paul gives to these Ephesian elders? What are the last words? Does he tell them about his anxieties and his fears and, and his problems and his struggle and his situation? No. He says in Acts chapter 20, verse 35, he said, I have showed you all things. How that's so laboring you ought to support the weak. He doesn't start thinking about himself. He said, keep, keep supporting the weak. Keep supporting the weak. Keep supporting the weak. And to remember the words of our Lord Jesus, how he said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. It is more blessed to give than receive? Could it be that the hidden blessing in giving to others is that our problems and our fears tend to get smaller and smaller and smaller because it's more blessed to give than to receive. What am I saying? I'm saying if, if God doesn't answer your prayer, don't forget to bless others. Don't forget to give. If you don't receive that, you do, if you don't receive that miracle, please don't forget to give. Don't forget to keep on giving. If you don't receive that financial blessing, just keep on giving. Why? Because it's more blessed to give and to receive. That's when you know the love of God is working in your life. That's when you know the love of God is working in your life. Oh, Jesus. I apologize for, for using you as an example, Tim, but I feel like I need to. We see an example of this in our church here today. Right? A man that is going through problems. A man that is going through trials. But what do we see him do? Is he's continually giving and giving and giving. I tried to tell Tim just, just a couple weeks ago, Tim, we're going get to you, get you another leader in that life group to support you because you can't do it anymore. You know, oh, he said, no, I'm fine. I can make her. I, why? Because he's understand something. It's more blessed to give than to receive. It's his heart. It's the love of God. It's, he's, and he's an, a shining example of that every single day. And for Sue, that's going through it too.
just constantly gives and ministers to others. We have examples here today of the love of God. The love of God. I'm going to close in this. He was facing the most difficult challenge. The weight of the world was on his shoulders. In a few moments, he would face excruciating pain and torture. The Bible says that he sweated as if it were great drops of blood. Great drops of blood. The anxiety, the fear, the stress, the pressure, the weight of the world on his shoulders. How did he conquer it? I think it is the most, one of the most popular quoted scriptures in our Bible. How did he conquer that pressure? How did Jesus face the cross? John 3.16 says this, For God so loved the world. God so loved the world that he gave. How did he face the cross? Through love. Through love. Through love. And let's not forget, I don't think it's a coincidence, 1 John 3.16 says this, Hereby perceive we love of God. It's interesting, right? John 3.16 says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. But 1 John 3.16 says this, hereby perceive we the love of God because, his lay, because he laid down his life for us. But you know what? It doesn't stop there. It doesn't stop there. It says this, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. I'm talking about complete love. God loves us. We love God. But then we extend that love. And we love one another. We love one another if we could all stand. First Timothy 1.7 says this, For God hath not given us a spirit of fear. But what has he given us? He's given us a spirit of power and of love of a sound mind. you got to understand that Holy Spirit that's in you, it's working in you. Right? you got to understand God is love. And that Spirit that's in you is God's love. God's love. That's why Ephesians, you probably heard it in life groups, Ephesians 3.20 says this, Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power of that worketh in us. What power is working in us right now? It is the love of God that is working in us. It is the love of God that is working in us. Amen. Can we thank Him this morning for His love? Can we thank Him this morning for doing a work on our hearts, for our stony hearts? Hallelujah. Lord Jesus, we worship You, God. We praise Your name, Jesus.